only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another exciting night of NBA basketball. With the first pick, the Detroit Pistons select Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State University. Chandler again. Oh, what a block by Max Seal! My goodness! The Pistons are digging in. They got the depth. They got the big men. They got the better basketball team. No doubt about it. There's Jaden playing the passing lane. Sky's a jam. Pistons need a three, and they have just under three seconds to do it. Here's Chauncey Phillips. Here it is. He's got it. He's got it. Chauncey Phillips hits the three. Overtime. Amazing. Out of bounds. Detroit Basketball. Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast part of the Believe Network. I'm your host, Mike Ingwilano, and joining me is the full cast and crew for this week's record-breaking episode, joined by Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia. Fellas, we mystery. Uh, I shouldn't say we. Uh, the podcast did not make history. The Pistons made history. They lost their 27th game in a row, breaking the record tied by the Cleveland Cavaliers, my woeful Cleveland Cavaliers from 2010 and 2011, and then the Philadelphia 76ers as well, the process Sixers. Um, we're going to get into all of that, but fellas, how was your holiday? We're now two days removed from Christmas Day. How are uh, how are you guys all doing? Christmas was great, man. I mean, it's, it's always a blessing to get to spend time with family and just kind of relax and take in the the season and and all that so it was good and and i hope all of our listeners and, and you guys as well had a, a great christmas and are looking well heading into the new year yeah my christmas was fantastic i got to spend it with loved ones and the pistons didn't play uh so it was it was wonderful uh i hope you guys had a great one as well this this is definitely uh, a time for us all three to get together because uh, there's nobody I'd rather be talking about this record setting Pistons team with. And look, they've just broken one losing streak record. They have another one still ahead of them. The 76ers did lose 28 in a row over the span of two seasons uh, back in the 70s. So fellas, we still got more history to make. Uh, they have a good chance of making that sort of history too. looking at the next couple games. I mean, they're that they play Boston, which is just absolutely cruel coming off of the 27th loss to play a Celtics team. That is just a machine um, is, is all sorts of cruel. But before we get into the Pistons uh, and all of their struggles and the rumors and everything else that's come about uh, sort of at the, Maybe the rock bottomest point of this losing streak, even though I think there's more rock bottom to be had. Uh, before we get into all of that, 
I'd like to thank our sponsor for this week's episode, and that is Bet Online. The only people that don't get time off this year are pro athletes and us at Bet Online. With NFL, bowl season, and NBA in full swing over the holidays, Bet Online isn't taking a second off to make sure you have all up to the second odds, news, and info. Bet Online has all the sports wagering info available you need with both desktop and mobile access. You can head on over there today, get in on the action, and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use BetOnline. Again, that promo code is BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use BetOnline. BetOnline, where the game starts. And speaking of that, if you haven't made a deposit yet, you could make your first bet with that welcome bonus on the over-under for the Pistons win total for the season, which was briefly removed from Bet Online because so many people smashed that under button. Um, they've since brought it back online. It is 11 and a half wins. So, guys, before we move on to anything meaty, um, over under <laughs> 11 under. and a half wins for the Pistons. I'm sitting pretty with my ticket at under 27 and a half. I gave that out before the season began here on the podcast. And to get to over 12 wins, you know, Pistons got to go 10 and 42 over their last 52 games. Do we trust that this team has 10 more wins in them? I certainly don't. Uh, it's very sad to say, but I'm, mm -hmm. I'm with Jasper here. I'm taking the under 11 and a half. Yikes. Oh. oh. A trade I mean, could well, really throw a wrench in that. Yeah, you're right. They could win 12 games this right. season. Uh, yeah, they they could drastically improve their win total to 13 um, <laughs> and just blow everybody out of the water. Uh, I don't know. That's what, like a 230 winning percentage at 10 and 42? Something like that. Or did you Something say 10 like and that. 32? I think the new math is cool. I don't like that. Sorry, oh. sorry. <laughs> well, up, it's, apparently it's, it's about triple what they have right now. I was quadruple. Say, <laughs> I don't think Troy Weaver studied math in high school either because he doesn't realize that three is worth more than two. But who hired him anyway? Well, the man who's <laughs> helping out the Detroit community, the selfless tax write-off man himself, Tom Gorris. I, I, I know we don't want to hit on this too much, but holy hell, what an insult that was by Tom Gorris. Aaron was saying it. We were discussing it before you joined, Mike. Uh, what, what an absolute disgrace that press release by him was. I'm not even going to say it was an interview because he got select media members to ask him what I'm assuming were pre-planned questions. Uh, what, on like the midnight before Christmas Eve? That, what an absolute embarrassment. And then the guy goes, well, we're doing a lot more than just, you know, we're not just here to win games. We're helping the community. Well, here's an idea, Tom. Here's how you can help the community. Sell the Pistons for $2.5 billion and then donate all the proceeds to charity. I bet that would do a lot of good for the Detroit community, wouldn't it? It'd do a lot of good for the Detroit Pistons win-loss record, too. It would do a lot so, of good for your mental health. Yeah, I'm just saying, I mean, the guy that that's what's more important than winning games is is helping the community sell the team, donate all the profits to charity. Seems like a very, very you don't even have to donate all the money. Recoup what you gained. Say keep a billion dollars. Donate the other billion and a half to charity. 
birds with one stone, big fella. What's what's the whole? So we haven't podcasted since that. Was that the was that two days before Christmas, or maybe th- maybe three days? It it happened at a weird time. It was like midnight, like two days before Christmas. Something just got dumped, uh, in the news dump of the holiday season. Um, you guys didn't talk about that. I don't. I don't think it was around for the last pod, but where do we start? Do you want to start with the Tom Gores thing? Do you want to start with the 27 losses in a row and what it means? I mean, you, you, want, to, you want to talk about the positives, which is Cade, you know, looking like the dude and then everybody else around him looking like anything but the dude. Look, I, it's, it's been talked about enough. The Tom Gores stuff has been talked about so much. We, we didn't have, we haven't really covered it on the podcast because it came out after our, our last show dropped. But everyone else has talked about it, and I and I think the talking points are the same. So I really don't think we have to go into it too much. I think it's as simple okay, as that's fine. You know, good on Tom Gores for 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 talking. You know, he needed to. He did. Uh, I think it's kind of crappy that we got it released on Friday night at midnight uh, on you know Christmas Eve or whatever the day before Christmas Eve when you know not it's just not going to be seen but people got to it and people saw it so it, it still made its way around and i think the talking points that the national media has brought up are all very fair um there's not too much else to say besides the the sell the team comments that that tom gores you know didn't like were were a joke i uh, if it were him and, and i i think he would take those back i think he would just avoid that question or just you know wiggle his way out of that question again because the reaction uh has been all about that and about nothing and not about anything else that he said, even though he did say, you know, a fair amount about how he's involved and things like that. But all eyes were on that sell the team comment. So I think if he could do it over again, he maybe wouldn't talk about that or wouldn't have answered in in the way that he did. I think it's absolutely ridiculous uh, for the owner and, and now players to be, you know, saying, oh, you know, we don't want to hear that or whatever. You guys are a team that's lost 27 in a row. You're breaking history left and right for all the wrong reasons. The organization's getting more national uh, attention from the media and, and from just general eyes of the NBA than they have in over the la- at any other point in the last decade because they're so historically bad. Uh, so saying that fans shouldn't feel this way, fans that are paying money to go to these games despite the losing streak, fans that are filling the arena despite the losing streak, fans that are buying the jerseys, watching on Bally Sports, listening on 97 won the ticket, uh, fans that are tweeting and, and, and Instagramming and all of that stuff, fans that care and are spending their time watching a team lose, uh, for to tell them that they can't be that upset or, or shouldn't have those feelings is absolutely moronic. Uh, focus on yourselves, focus on your organization, focus on your team, and go out there and find ways to win. And don't be upset with the fans who still come out and support for wanting change. That's really all I have to say on it. I, I will say I thought it was absolutely hilarious that one of his ways that he's trying to defend Monty Williams is by saying, no, 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 don't worry, guys. I'm going there every day, and I am overruling his lineup decisions by making my own. So thanks, Tom. $78.5 million well spent. You have to go down there and tell <laughs> – tell Monty Williams to start Jaden Ivey because otherwise nothing will happen. Yeah. The whole thing was very odd. 
Um, I'm glad that somebody spoke up. What when, when was the last time that Troy Weaver talked to anybody? Does anybody know? Probably before the season started. Uh, I don't think he's I think so. 97 one hits. And if he's spoken with the media, it was early on in the season. Uh, it wasn't anything recently that's been publicized as far as I know. Well, I will say this. Let's cut him a little slack. It does take Troy Weaver about three to four weeks to form a complete sentence. So, you know, he's getting around to it. Don't worry, fellas. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. And I mean, we had talked about like, what is, what is going to be the breaking point? Like, when is somebody going to say something? And I think it's, it, it was fine to have Tom Gores go out and do that. I think it's less fine. Um, like Aaron said, some of the comments that were being made um, by him, like talking about fans and things like that. I, I think that kind of takes away from, from the point and more of a, it was, you know, it was more of a publicity stunt than, than anything else. I mean, there were some tidbits of like we're going to make changes, or you know, it doesn't mean that anybody's necessarily safe. You know, we'll see if it actually comes to fruition. Um, but it's up to him and Troy to sort of fix things. Um, and there's been a lot of talk about the sort of the power structure within the organization, and that that has come up quite a bit as of late as to who's making the decisions. And it's very clear that it's more than Tom Gores and Troy Weaver making decisions, or, or at least people who are wielding influence within the organization. And it just, every time that comes out more and more and more, it feels like more and more and more that there just needs to be a complete, just take everybody outside, leave them there and rebuild with a brand new structure because clearly communication is too muddied. There's too many cooks in the kitchen. Do we even want Troy Weaver making any of these moves? Like people are saying, make a trade, make a trade. I don't want, I don't think I want Troy Weaver making that trade. The most dangerous type of general manager or front office president of basketball operations exec is one that is fighting for his job. That that's what makes this situation even more worrisome and something that hasn't been talked about nearly enough is that there is a major, major push for significant changes to be made across the roster. And the man making those decisions has had four seasons to put this roster together. Remember, he stepped in and day one started stripping this roster to its roots, rebuilding it, and getting everyone that was there before he arrived off of this team. Even guys that were legitimate players in the NBA, he got rid of. Bruce Brown was the first move he made for a guy that never touched a Pistons jersey. He started right then and there, and it took him a week into the job to do it. So we're talking about needing to make serious, serious changes to this roster but we're asking the guy that has put the Pistons in this hole and is now supposedly kind of sort of maybe not, maybe is on the hot seat to make those changes. That's very dangerous. That's how you end up trading a bunch of assets 
for a star on the back end of his career that has an injury history or is, you know, not necessarily looking to be in Detroit. That's how you end up trading a bunch of assets to get that guy and things somehow get worse than they already are. Just something that, you know what? No, sorry, Aaron. I I didn't mean to interrupt you. I look, I, this is, it's, really ridiculous because the reason Troy Weaver got this job is because Stan Van Gundy was going to lose his job and was forced to make a panic trade for exactly the type of player you're talking about, Aaron Johnson, in Blake Griffin. That is why we got into this situation where the Pistons were in salary cap hell, where they had nothing to trade, nothing to work with. You got in this position because you had a guy in your front office who was going to lose his job if wins didn't improve. And now look at where you are at in the exact same situation where Troy Weaver now needs to make a panic trade in order to save his job that could absolutely decimate the Pistons salary cap. And I know people are going to say, well, wait, what? That's not true. You have $60 million in cap. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because you have to pay Cade Cunningham after this year. You have to get that max extension locked in. You you must at this point. And, and this is where I think we should start talking about last night's game. Because we do need to hit on some of the stuff that Shams Trania threw uh, out there in terms of who the Pistons might be going after in this offseason. But look, history was made last night. And, and we have to discuss it. And last night to me was a perfect microcosm of exactly what has gone wrong with this team this year. You have James Wiseman out there. I can't even say doing cardio because he's more getting in players' way than doing anything else, not grabbing rebounds. You have Cade Cunningham busting his ass to the tune of 41 points. He scored, what, 34 points in the second half? He was a monster last night. And who else showed up? Nobody. Boyan Bogdanovich put in some points. Atrocious defensively absolutely atrocious defense alec burks get off of my team get off of my basketball team right now he played 24 26 minutes he was minus 24 shot four of 11 from the field and after the game for him to be yucking it up with the with right after the final horn has has buzzed to be yucking it up with nets players i don't care Spencer Dinwiddie and him went to college. I don't care if they just got married in Cabo last week and they're talking about the kid they're going to adopt together. That was one of the most unprofessional things I have ever seen on a basketball court. I am not saying you should take your job home with you. In fact, I think the opposite. I think that's probably better for these guys that they don't take these losses home with them. Go home, clear your mind because they need to get something. They need to reset themselves. They need to get out of this funk that they're in. But for Alec Burks to be laughing it up when the Pistons just set a humiliating, humiliating record, embarrassed the entire city of Detroit, completely have put a black mark on the history of this franchise forever. You will be a joke forever because of what just happened. And you're laughing it up with Spencer Dinwiddie. Get off of my basketball team. Get off of my basketball team especially after the garbage he pulled in the final minute, taking a shot that was meant for Cade, rushing it up with 22 seconds left on the shot clock, clang, you're only down by five. And then you're still down by by two possessions with four and a half seconds left. No, 
you're not going to win the game. It's over. But you get the rebound and you chuck it out of bounds. And then you're laughing it up on the sidelines. I, to me, that was, it was despicable. Absolutely despicable. A, A total disgrace. Completely unprofessional. And for him to do that while the fans of this team are still showing up to games, I thought was just horrible. You know, we talk about the young guys and how you need veterans on this team. Well, guess what? You need different veterans on the team. You need somebody who's a shooter other than Boyan Bogdanovich who's actually going to give a crap on defense. Same with Alec Burks. I I just thought that was despicable, guys. Burks was a minus 25 plus minus in 25 minutes. Um. We, we can get into the rotations at, at some point. Marvin Bagley didn't play. Joe Harris didn't play. Killian Hayes is out with an injury. Isaiah Livers didn't play. Um, the, Once again, as has been the case for a couple of games now, maybe a few weeks at this point, the starters have a pretty good plus minus. The bench does not. The bench was horrific again. Um. I know that Monty's probably trying to figure out what sticks, but 11 minutes for Kevin Knox and eight minutes for Asar Thompson, nine minutes for Marcus Sasser. Sasser had more minutes than Asar Thompson did. And I know you're trying to get something out of Burks. Played 25 minutes. He was very good last year. In fact, he propped up the entire bench last year. Has been pretty horrible this year. But the starters are very clearly still, I mean, I'm going to try to do some quick math here myself. I think the starters were like a plus 34 combined, and the bench was obviously uh, horrific. I think they're like minus 60 or something. Um, (laughs) Cade, I mean, I think it was 37 points in the second half he had, Jasper, because he finished with what he finished with, 41. I think he had 30 I think he had four at halftime. Yeah, 37. 37, yeah. Look, I I think it comes down. I mean, just crazy. I I think it comes down to the the things that we talked about before the season that we saw with this team, with this roster, right away, they don't have enough functional NBA players on the team, whether it's the fact that they're incredibly young and do not have enough bets that can play actual minutes something we talked about before the season or the fact that they have guys that are playing out of position i.e isaiah stewart something we talked about at the beginning of the season the fact that they do not have a legitimate group of nba wings on the roster something we talked about before the season there's just so much wrong with this roster and i think monty williams has certainly made mistakes throughout his first 29 games as the head coach of the Detroit Pistons. But at the same time, the roster he's been given, there's only so much he can do with it. And when I look at all of the talk surrounding his rotations, I think the, the ones where it's easy to say this was a bad decision by Monty Williams was the, what has happened with Jaden Ivey this year. But when I look at a lot of the other things, it's like, what else is he going to do? Joe Harris is not an NBA player anymore. Isaiah Livers has not proven that he's an NBA player right now. Alec Burks has forgotten how to play basketball at a functional level right now. 
Marcus Sasser started off the season playing very well in those early minutes that he was getting. He's largely been average or below average in all of his games ever since. There are just too many guys in that second unit coming off the bench that are not going to give you good minutes. James Wiseman played 12 minutes yesterday and was a minus 12. Killian Hayes hasn't played when he has. The results haven't been good. Like, there's just so many guys that it's like, it wouldn't be a bad thing for the Pistons if these guys were not on the roster. It's, if the Pistons could get a couple functional NBA players, had a legitimate backup big, brought in a a, a wing that could defend and shoot a little bit, someone like Royce O'Neal or Dorian Finney-Smith from Brooklyn, who they've seen the last few games, like, if they had just a couple more players like that, that they could play alongside Cunningham, and Ivy and Bogdanovich and Duran, like it would be a lot easier to for them to just be, you know, pretty bad, but not historically bad, not record breaking bad, not multi record breaking bad. So the roster is the the biggest issue when when I look at things. You know, I I know Monty Williams is is getting a ton a ton of talk surrounding the job he's doing. And I'm not sitting here defending him and saying that he's been perfect or great or even good. I'm just saying there's only so much he's able to do with the guys that he has on this roster. And it's so blatantly obvious that the pieces don't fit and haven't fit. We knew that going into the season. We said it going into the season. And there's no reason to be shocked 30 games in that these pieces don't fit. We knew going in what this roster looked like and the flaws it had. Aaron, look, I agree that the roster is the biggest issue. We've we've been all three of us in lockstep for a while now on that. That being said, I think you're being too easy on Monty Williams here because no, I I, have said this like I don't think any coach really prime pop could not have come in here and taken this team to the playoffs with the roster that was given to to this coaching staff. Nobody could. That being said. I think that it has to be on the coaching staff that it has gotten this bad. There is enough talent, especially with Bogdanovich back and and Cade playing out of his mind right now to where you should be able to steal a game, two games here and there. You say, you know, I don't know what else he can do. I do. I, I Look, stop playing James Wiseman. Don't, don't play James Wiseman at all. The, the Killian Hayes thing, like, Duh, that doesn't even need to be said. Third, stop playing this idiotic drop coverage where you're also switching everything. Teams just have a layup line to the rim defensively against the Pistons. And and you're seeing the defense get even worse with every single passing game. That, to me, tells me that it's on the coaching staff. Here's a quick little uh, uh, graphic I saw from data-driven Pistons fans on, on Twitter. Uh, game, the Pistons' offensive and defensive rating has gotten worse with every single 10-game span that they've played. Games 1 through 10, offensive rating of 109, defensive rating of 112. We're now at game 21 to 30, offensive rating of 106.9, defensive rating of 123. Their net rating is nearly 13 points worse per 100 possessions than it was for the first 10 games of the season. So, Aaron, while I get what you're saying, and I agree that the roster is the biggest issue, 
Monty Williams, 100%. He and his coaching staff deserve equal amounts of blame. I think, if anything, the reason it's 27 games is on them. It is on them. And, and, you know, this team was not going to win anything regardless, but for it to be historically bad is on Monty Williams, in my opinion, and his utter refusal to go away from, from playing these stupid, stupid defensive schemes and from playing these players. I mean, why are 10, 11 guys in this rotation at all? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. These guys are not NBA players. Stop playing them. And, and like, I get where you could say, well, yeah, I mean, you know, we can't burn our guys out. You can't set this record. I don't care. Cade's 22 years old. Play him 48 minutes. I don't care at this point. You could not allow last night to happen, and he did. And that is on Monty Williams, in my opinion. So I have been through a 26-game losing streak as a fan of basketball, watching the 2010-2011 Cleveland Cavaliers in their first season post LeBron. And I compare that time. I try to remember that time. I compare that time to this, whatever happening with Detroit. And, you know, it, it made a lot of sense why the Cavs were bad. I, I mean, I, obviously they lost LeBron and that totally crippled the rest of the organization because he propped everything up and it made sense. They were in year one of a rebuild. These, these are the players that went on a 26-game losing streak and ended the year with 19 wins. That Cavs team went 19-63 and 63 with Byron Scott as the head coach. Antoine Jameson, Anderson Verjao, Lowe Williams, Anthony Parker, J.J. Hickson, and Daniel Gibson. Ramon Sessions and Baron Davis played in that in that too. A historic, I mean, there are just some amazing names on this roster. Semi Erdin, Joey Graham, just some tremendous fodder of NBA lore and this team still managed 19 wins despite being incredibly less talented than this current Pistons roster so I, I was firmly in the camp of Troy Weaver just handed Monty Williams a incredibly flawed roster in looking at this Cavs team and this was you know a decade ago the NBA is a lot different now three-point shooting was in you know was very different uh, in in terms of how it's utilized now compared to back then, but this team won 19 games. This team sucks. <laughs> this this Cavs team was awful, and it was not fun at all. There was no first round pick. There was just old dudes and just remnants of a you know a, a championship wannabe roster. This Pistons team is talented. It has first rounders all over the place. I don't count James Wiseman. Even disregarding James Wiseman as a very high lottery pick, this is still a roster of very talented players that even when they're mismatched, like they are, they should still be able to win games or at least be competitive. They've been a little bit more competitive as of late with Bogdanovich coming back and Duran being healthy. That'll certainly help. But they're not even competitive in a lot of these games. And it just blows my mind. I remember watching Luke Herringote play and Jamario Moon and Christian Iyenga and thinking, oh, this this is horrible. This is this is like some of the worst basketball I've ever watched, especially after the last you know 10 years of LeBron. And yet Pistons team with all this talent and Cade and Bogdanovich and Jaden Ivey is 
on pace to win eight less games. I, I it just blows my mind. I don't know. I don't know where you go from here, but Monty has taken over the blame train for me because even though the roster is a mess, there is still talent on here. It's up to him to figure it out, how to make it at least passable. And the rotation's constantly changing. The starter's constantly changing. Guys are going from 24 minutes to, you know, six or eight. I I just don't, I I don't understand. I, I, and- I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't disagree. And Mike, like you said, I, oh, sorry. Real quickly, I don't disagree with you guys at all. Like, there's definitely talent. Like, I think Kate is a top 25 player in the league at his best. Obviously, we like Jalen Duran. Boyan Bogdanovich gives them good, good things. He does good things for this team. But it's like, it's, it's, Monty Williams is playing those guys now. Kate played 37 minutes. 35 year old Boyan Bogdanovich played 39 minutes. And it was Jaden Ivey's turn to like, not play well like last night against Brooklyn they can't get Ivy and Bogdanovich to both have good games and then get enough from other guys outside of Cade to win you know it's it's you know what you're getting from Cade at this point over the last 10-12 games he's been absolutely phenomenal Boyan's been a pretty guaranteed 20 or so points after that it's like you just don't know what you're getting from these guys on a given night. And I get it. There are first round picks, quote unquote, on this roster, Kevin Knox, James Wiseman, Marvin Bagley, Killian Hayes. But like, we know those guys aren't good players at this point. So if you don't get a perfect game from your starting five, and then a couple bench players play well or above their weight, like this team's just screwed at this point. I just don't see the talent on this roster. Like, I don't think playing Marvin Bagley 12 minutes instead of James Wiseman yesterday changes the the that game for them. Like, and I think Bagley is way better than Wiseman. If I had it my way, Wiseman would never touch the court at LCA again. But it's like there's just too much variance across the board from this team in terms of talent at the top and then everyone else, and you're not getting enough consistency. And then on top of that, when Ivy has the game that he has last night and he's 3 of 12 from the field, and it is in foul trouble in the first half, and it can't play most of the second quarter. Like, you're just not going to win that way. And, and that's where it's like, as much as I do think Williams deserves blame for it, it's it's just hard for me to say it's equal to what Troy Weaver, Arn Tellum, and, and if Tom Gores is in there making those decisions, it's equal to what they're doing because they put this roster together, and it just so blatantly obviously doesn't work. But but here's here's the issue for me with that, Aaron, is like you're saying, well, everybody has to play perfect for you to have a shot. It shouldn't be that way. Remember, Monty Williams started this year. The reason Jaden Ivey started this year on the bench was because Monty Williams was talking about how they wanted to play defense. They wanted to be a defensive-minded team. This team can't stop a freaking nosebleed with a tampon at this point. They are abysmal defensively. They have gotten worse defensively. And to me, that is on the coach. Like, it shouldn't take a perfect game from Boyan and Cade and Jaden Ivey. You should be able to say, okay, a couple of our guys aren't hitting shots. That's fine. We're going to lock down on defense. But what I saw in the last few minutes of that game was a layup line. Was was guys, I mean, shoot, on basically what was like the game-sealing three for the Nets, 
what happened was was uh you have oh, shoot it was burks and stewart coming up on a pick and roll and what happened was isaiah stewart didn't switch how does that happen how on earth does that happen where alec burks switches and isaiah stewart doesn't did you not talk about it in the huddle did I, genuinely did you not talk about the huddle because you have to know that's what's going to happen because that's the bread and butter of every single nba offense every team in the league does it so how do these players not know to do it is it that they're that incompetent or is it that the coaching staff has not done their job properly and coached up the defense i don't think you should have to have a perfect game from Jaden ivy and bogdanovich and kate in order to win Kate had 41 points on like 73% shooting last night. Here's what he's done since Boyan Bogdanovich has returned. 11 games, 24.3 points, 7 assists, 5 rebounds, 2.9 turnovers per game. Plus 1.8 steals plus blocks. Oh, and by the way, he's shooting 50% from the floor and 85% from the free throw line on 5.5 attempts per game. So, like, you are getting superstar production out of that guy right now. You, He's efficient. He's shooting the ball well. He's not turning the ball over at some absurd rate. And he's still getting his assists. And yet, you continue to get blow up, blown out. So the issue isn't Cade. The issue is that you have a coaching staff that's not able to put guys into position and is not able to coach their players to the just bare fundamentals. It's basic fundamentals. You run a pick and roll. You're running a switch everything defense. How does the switch not come? How does that not happen? Where is the accountability? It's not there. And that to me tells me it is a coaching issue. Because for God's sakes, Alex Berg's been in the league for what, 12 years? Boyan Bogdanovich has been in the league. He's 35 years old. How do these guys not know how to play defense? Just the bare fundamentals. And Isaiah Stewart, Isaiah freaking Stewart, that guy's defense sucks, sucks. For a guy who's supposed to be your power forward of the future, forget the shooting, forget his inability to pass or dribble the ball. His defense has been awful lately, absolutely terrible. Anytime he's switched on to somebody, he gets absolutely killed. His defensive communication is atrocious. How many backdoor cuts and open layups do they give up because he misses his assignment. Uh, it's it's just baffling to me how this roster is backsliding defensively. That, to me, tells you it's a coaching issue. It's not just the roster. It's not just the players. The coaching staff has completely failed. Yeah, just a little bit of dead air there, because we were all just taking all in. <laughs> um, and, and it, you know, it... Look, it's it's a it's a two-headed monster. You're getting it's probably more than that as to why this team is this bad. I just lately I I've been unable to overlook the coaching, the, just malpractice by Monty Williams, and now you know you're starting to see from you know some credible NBA reporters that you know maybe Tom Gorish should have taken the hint when Monty Williams kept saying no 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 I don't want to coach I want to take a year off two years off or whatever he wanted to do. And Tom Gore has insisted, kept handing him more money. Maybe, perhaps, that was a mistake. I'm seeing that now come out from 
you know, some larger NBA reporters um, starting to see some, you know, cracks form already in that. I mean, not that Monty would resign or do anything like that. I don't, I don't think so. He's getting paid a lot of money, but you know, yeah, he, he did the smart thing, Mike. He took the contract and took it off anyway from coaching. Well, he saw his GM pretty much take the year off by punting away the cap space. So maybe he thought, okay, well, then I'll just punt away my ability to coach for one more year and we'll come back next year. Um, that's that's a different discussion about the cap space as uh, Joe Harris was a DMP coach's decision while uh, Cam Johnson had 24 points on four for six shooting from deep, uh, nine for 13 overall. So that's a, a different discussion. But speaking of acquisitions and things, uh, it might be prudent to maybe talk about what came out today from Sham Shrani of the Athletic about potential players uh, that the the Pistons are reportedly looking at, or could be looking at, or should be looking at. Um, this morning, Shams talked about Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, Tobias Harris, and Miles Bridges as guys that the Pistons, uh, you know, are reportedly actively looking to acquire um some of those names i think are i mean they're all obviously upgrades some of those names are much more realistic than others and all of them i think are probably not worth what the other team would be asking but aaron do you have any thoughts on siakam ananobi um tobias harris miles do we even want to talk about miles bridges well, I think I think it's important to note that Shams indicated they are more so looking at those names via free agency in the offseason this upcoming summer, uh, more so than tr- via trade. He did say a trade's possible, but not nearly as likely uh, just because of where they're already at in the season. So I do think the Pistons will make a trade. I don't know if it'll be of this magnitude uh, just because these are all guys that are going to be free agents and attainable via, you know, without having to give up uh, players or picks as assets in some sort of trade. I think the guy I'm least interested in just based off knowing what he's going to cost is OG and a newbie. Um, he, you know, if you're trying to trade for him, Masai Ujiri has labeled him as worth 17 first round picks and your two top players. Uh, he's just in <laughs> when it, when it comes to, yeah, I, I don't I don't want to trade with Masai at, at all. Just I don't, never I don't want to have that. Troy versus Masai just sounds like hell. Yeah. So it, it's like he's it, he's gonna command 30 plus 35 million in, in free agency. Uh I don't I, I don't see what everyone else sees in him, I guess. Everyone talks about him like he's still this up and coming, soon to be Kawhi Leonard, next Kawhi Leonard, two-way superstar and He's had all the opportunity in Toronto. He's had a much bigger opportunity this year, and he had it last year with so many guys out for them at times throughout the season. And, like, his numbers are still just the same. It's 15, 15 points a game. You know, he'll shoot around 40% from the three-point line. He's not bad, but he's also not a superstar, the way he's talked about and the way he seems to get valued in all of these trade talks around the league. So I, I'm just not very much interested in him. I, I think in terms of helping this team on the basketball court. I know there will be the discussion surrounding Bridges in terms of all of his off-the-court issues, uh, but Bridges and Harris are the guys that I think you can easily plug in and they'll help you right away. Uh, I do like Pascal Siakam. 
I'm concerned at what his sort of contract looks like, just considering where he's at in terms of age and what he's doing as a player now. His three-point shooting has really taken a step back at this point. Uh, and just his play style, he really seems to need the ball a lot to do uh, the things that he wants to do on the court. So I think Bridges and, and Tobias Harris would just be the easiest to plug in and play right away. Uh, I'm I just don't know what the contracts look like for any of these guys. And the the thing that I want to hammer home here is none of these guys severely change the direction of this team. Do they help you be a little less bad? Yes, but this team still. Uh, a star level, all-star level player away from really starting to to turn this thing around. So it's good to hear that they're they're interested in some of these, uh, you know, bigger names, but they need to get an even bigger fish to help turn this thing around moving forward. But they they definitely need a four, and I think that that Sham's phrasing it that way, maybe indicating that they're somehow just now finally waking up and turning in turning their 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 process around into believing that maybe Isaiah Stewart isn't the four of the future, despite him still starting as soon as he comes back at the four spot alongside Dirk. Despite so, him shooting 50% from three yesterday, I mean. Monitor, 50% from three on, check notes, two attempts. Two attempts. Four. 50%. Well, can't argue. Well, don't worry, guys. He's got plenty of time to improve his three-point shooting because don't forget – they already extended him, even though they still had this season to play. And they really had never gotten anything from him at power forward last year. Good, great extension. Uh, to me, it's baffling. Absolutely baffling to hear these names thrown about. Because when you talk, the only one I actually am okay with, with is Tobias Harris. Because to me, fits a need, fits the roster. I actually get that. I mean, he's getting older, but like it is what it is at this point. You just need help um, to hear guys like OG Ananubi, Pascal Siakam and Miles Bridges thrown around is baffling to me because what you need is a guy who will play good defense, who doesn't need the ball in his hands and can shoot well from outside, who can play the three and the four. Well, guess what? There was a guy this last offseason who was a restricted free agent who you said was too expensive to go after. And Cam Johnson, who, by the way, sliced you up last night. That guy fits better than any of those other players do. Like you said, Aaron, Siakam doesn't shoot, can pass, but, but can't shoot from outside, needs the ball in his hands. OG Ananubi. Can't shoot as well as Cam Johnson, comparable defensively, can't pass, uh, has just really not impressed. I'm sorry. He's, he's just not that impressive of a player to me. And then Miles Bridges, another guy who needs the ball in his hands to be a, really effective, plays horrific defense for the Charlotte Hornets, and has never shot, and has shot better than 33% from three once in his entire career. Same age as Cam Johnson, by the way, both him and OG Anadubi. So to me, it's it's utterly baffling, baffling that you would say Cam Johnson's too expensive to, for us to go after. But no, don't worry. These other guys who are going to probably cost more and fit your roster less, we're going to be going after them. What is this team doing? 
like absolutely and and i think that you're right aaron like there needs to be small trades uh, a guy you even threw out there like dorian finney smith god how much would he help this team uh how much would freaking grant williams help this team another guy who is available for cheaper than isaiah stewart by the way and does all the things you are asking for from your next power forward for cheaper it doesn't make any sense at all uh, so for me, uh, it's, it's just more of the same, like hearing this, it's like, these guys are so they're, they're like two years behind what the average fan has figured out already. Um, yeah, I, I don't like hearing this again, Tobias Harris, if the price is right, he's a veteran. God knows they need a professional in that locker room because Boyan Bogdanovich with his no show on defense and Alec Burks, Mr. Giggles. Uh, those guys are absolutely not getting the job done. Oh, maybe that's how we should refer to Alec Burks from now on. Mr. Giggles. I like that. Mr. Giggles. Yeah. Hey, he's having fun. It's just a game, right? Brother, that check is all the same. That check goes Ooh, I bet it does. Win or loss. 20 minutes or or five. I mean, that goes. I'm not. You know what, Jasper? Maybe I'm going to defend Alec Burks here. He's making ten million dollars a year. I think I'd be smiling too, to be honest with you. I could, I could handle losing. Oh yeah, all for ten million dollars. Shit. What? I'm on Alec Burke's side now. I think you, you flipped my mind. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, Mister, if you guys want to ridicule me on, on, on Twitter, fine. So be it. I'm collecting ten million dollars, brother. Yeah. Hey, and apparently it doesn't matter what you do on the court. Doesn't matter how many games you lose. Those checks clear all the same. There's no accountability. Nobody cares. It doesn't matter. On top of that. Go off, Mr. Giggles. Get the bag. Burks is probably getting moved to a a team with warmer weather and a chance to play in the playoffs in a month or two anyway. I I, I don't think he's he's worried about it too much as we've seen. As As he's shown, he's not too worried about everything going on right now. Well, if I was Tom Gorris, I'd let him get a head start on that vacation. That guy would never, ever step foot on the floor for my franchise ever again. I, I said it earlier. I'm like that. That was just absolutely some of the most unprofessional garbage I've ever seen. It, people come out and and spend their hard earned money to watch you embarrass them, and it's all just, "Hey, what's up, brother? How you doing? Good game. Ah, shoot, I missed the pass. Ah, well, no biggie." Look, I, I know we've got to wrap up here. I think we should uh, take a look ahead of this the schedule for Detroit. Uh, this is coming out Thursday morning prior to their game against the Boston Celtics. And then their final game of 2023 is against Toronto. And after that, I mean, 2024, do they get a win in 2024? I think that's the big question surrounding this team right now because I'm not betting on it happening in 2023 so like i said boston thursday the day this podcast comes out then they've got toronto they get utah or excuse me they get houston on january 1st who's been decent they've been very good at home though and that game is on the road in houston so i would say that's a loss then they are in utah who they've already lost to without larry marketing and a slew of other players then they've got Golden State, Denver, Sacramento. 
Is it January 10th when they get their next win against the San Antonio Spurs? They've got San Antonio at home on the 10th and Houston at home on the 12th. And then on the 15th, they've got Washington. I'd say that's probably that next slot where they've got a winnable game, it's, it feels like, unless they just have a ridiculously hot shooting night uh, one of these next uh, over these next two weeks for a game. But it feels like it's going to be at least another two weeks until they, they have a shot for a, a win. And I don't, I don't love the looks of it here. I know we got a wrap. I'm just curious what, what you guys think. Like we could be looking at a 40. I, think the, I, I, I don't oh, think. Yeah, no. Equation here. It, they, it's, it's going to be 35 games. That's clear. And then it comes down to, can they beat San Antonio? And if they can't beat San Antonio and they can't beat the Wizards, 45 games? I, I genuinely, I you could just keep throwing numbers at me and I would believe them at this point. Because if they can't beat San Antonio, who is equally inept, um, you know, I <laughs> Greg Popovich must be thinking, writing Monty Williams love letters at this point because the Spurs would be the laughing stock of the NBA if it wasn't for Detroit. Um, but if they can't beat San Antonio, I, I just, I don't, I don't know who you can beat. And like you said, like maybe they get ridiculously hot, but like Boyan Bogdanovich scored pretty well last shot 50% from the floor. Kate Cunningham was an absolute star and you still couldn't pull it out. So I, I don't even really know. I It's like you said, Aaron, it would I guess, require basically a perfect game from every single player on the roster to make it happen otherwise. I mean, look, I there's maybe a trade that's happened somewhere between now and, and, and throughout this schedule, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be big enough to really change things from what I, what I am reading into what Shams reported earlier. I guess we'll see. I did want to make one other note. Again, I know we're trying to wrap here. Shout out to Andre Drummond. Turned back the clock last night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> five rebounds, four stocks in a win uh, against the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, I, I've wanted him back ever since he left. And to, to see him step in for v- Nikola Vucevic, who was out last night, and have the performance that he did, wow, man. Forget about Dre. I, I miss him. He's he's he could, he, The thing is, he's still capable of doing that. I mean, he, he still consistently gets 10 rebounds off the bench for Chicago. So, so great to see that he's still out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, He would, he would, he's a guy, dude, at this, at this point, I'd take Greg Monroe back. Like that's how bad it is. It's just James Wiseman. Little kid. We love Uh, as a lefty watching him play in the post. Oh, little, little was a big Greg Monroe guy. (laughs) Who who would you rather have Alec Burks or Rodney Stuckey? Let's oh, sound off in the comments. Oh, I'd rather have Rodney Stuckey. The microwave. Will Bynum. Uh, Will Bynum ain't walking through that door, folks. I uh, I, I want to comment real fast because they do play the Raptors on the 30th. Guys, Toronto's not good. They're 11 and 18. They that game against 29. That game against the Pistons is the second game of a back-to-back for them. They played Boston in Boston the night before. I'm just—it's possible. I, I, that—that that is another team with bad vibes. They let Fred Van Fleet walk for nothing. Pascal is frustrated. Trade talk swirling. I think it's possible. 
I'm not going to say it's, I mean, even a good chance of happening, but Toronto's not good. We give them all some credit because they've been like the darling of the NBA because it seems like everyone thinks that is smarter than everybody else. And that's, that's kind of persisted because Kawhi kind of gifted them a championship. They're not good. I mean, it's, it's, a, they're just not a good team. But Mike, um, they beat you by 29 points already this year. They did. And it yes. It been worse. It probably like, should have been worse. I, I don't even know how you can look at that as like a winnable game at this point. Like they beat you by 29. They're I know. terrible. And they smoked you. Well, so did the Utah Jazz with nobody. And the Wizards beat them at home too. I mean, the and, and Wizards beat them by 19. And we're talking about the Wizards being a winnable game for them in the same fashion. I mean, I don't know. It's at home. Maybe somebody will be out because it's the second game of a back-to-back and they want to rest. I mean, you know, maybe you're gonna get gifted something. Um, Siakam or Ananobi just sit because they had to go balls to the wall against Boston the night before, only to lose probably. So it's possible. I mean, I I, I still think you're looking at the Spurs on the tenth as probably the next winnable game that I would even consider being winnable. But don't sleep on Toronto as like, oh, they're definitely gonna beat the Pistons, and that's not a good basketball team with some weird vibes going on with that roster. That's all I'll say. Just to just just to be a little bit positive on, you know, a 50-game losing streak that you guys are talking about, or 55. I'm curious where our listeners are at. Let us know in the YouTube comments if you're, you're watching, listening there. Tell us what you think. Tell us when you think the streak ends, if it ends this season. I know there's a few, few of you out there that feel they might not win a game again for the rest of the season. If you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, tweet us at Palace of Pistons, at A. Johnson NBA, at Blade Cunningham, at Mike, I forget your at. You've got to fill that in. There. I know. I was waiting for it. <laughs> Angle M10, right? Is 22. 22, okay. M22. Okay. But let Maybe us... we can put it in the, in the show notes. I'll add it in. I'll add it in for sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I'm, I'm really interested to see where people think it's going to end. I mean, or, or even if you take the over or the under at, at 11 and a half wins, I mean, that's, that's not a lot of wins. That's not a lot of wins for a team that I think we were hoping for, um, you know, maybe like tease a play in spot. Now we're like, please get more than single digit wins. It's just insane. Um, guys, anything else you want to hit before we wrap up on, on this, uh, record-breaking episode of the podcast i'll say one last thing uh kate cunningham's been absolutely incredible what he did against brooklyn phenomenal was just incredible there's been a lot of talk early on even throughout his his hotter play these last few weeks that kate is you know not good enough to be the guy and he hasn't lived up to expectations and he's a bust and the pistons might need to move on from him and restart all over uh, if you're actually watching, you're seeing Kate Cunningham turn a corner. I think it's important to remember he missed 70 games last season, and it takes time to get your legs under you. He's still very, very young. And over his last 10, 12 games, we're seeing the Kate Cunningham uh, that the Pistons envisioned when they drafted him. He is a top 25 guy. He is an all-star player. And what he did against Brooklyn 41 points on 70% shooting. What he's doing is unfortunately 
uh, the thing that isn't being talked about because this team is just so, so, so bad around him. But he, he deserves a lot of credit. And also being the guy on this team at his age and staying so level-headed on the court and in the locker room. He's been on the at the press conferences, on the mic, uh, game after game as this losing streak has continued. He's said all of the right things. He has taken accountability. He has been the leader. He has, he has said, make me the face of this losing streak. I have to be better. You do not get that from young guys in today's game. That is just not a quality that most young men have in this league. So give a ton of credit to Kate Cunningham for the way that he's playing and the way that he has stayed uh, as a leader of this team throughout this dreadful, dreadful losing streak. That just really isn't his fault. I'm a hundred percent in lockstep with you, Aaron. I'm going to totally piggyback off of what you just said. You know, him saying, make me the face of this losing streak is exactly the reason why he should not. He's probably the only player on this team that doesn't deserve to be the face of this losing streak. He's been phenomenal. It's been really refreshing to see the national narrative around him changing over these last couple weeks. Literally all it took was a couple weeks for him to get his legs underneath him and one shooter in the lineup next to him. And then all of a sudden, wow, who would have thought Cade Cunningham looks pretty freaking good at basketball. And that's because he is. And it's been nice to see that, you know, look, <laughs> evaluating the team after Boyan Bogdanovich returned, that's one thing. But, like, you can now properly evaluate Cade Cunningham, and you're seeing exactly the type of leader, the type of player, the type of young man he is. Um, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, there's that is really the only positive you can take away from him. But guess what? It's a pretty big positive because the number one thing about building a good team is you need a star, and Cade Cunningham's a damn star. So I'm just happy – for him and for the fans, that at least we have that positive to take away from this losing streak. It's that Kate Cunningham's an all-star, and he's going to be a baller for years to come. All you need to do is put a team around him. Let's hope that that eventually somebody involved in this organization can make the decisions necessary in order to do that. I think that's a good, a good stopping point for this episode of the podcast, ending on a positive note. As the Pistons lose their 27th game in a row, there are some things to take away. And Kate Cunningham's definitely been a huge positive. Um, he 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 looks like the guy. Now, uh, like, like you guys said, you got to put players around him that really um, allow him to build his skill set and allow him to make all of them better. And, and that's really what they got to figure out and got to figure it out kind of quickly. You know, it's not like this is year one of the rebuild. This is year four. Um, they don't have as much time as a typical rebuilding team unless they tear it down again, which would just be all sorts of depressing. But we're not ending on a depressing note. We're ending on a positive note. Cade's been great. He's worth watching Pistons games for alone. So um, we will go ahead and take that as a, as a bright spot amidst a lot of darkness. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Palace of Pistons podcast. I'd like to thank our sponsor this week, and that's Bet Online. And you can use our promo code Believe B L E A V for a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use Bet Online. For Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia, I am Mike Milano. Thank you 
so much for joining us on this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Network, and we will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.